Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organise Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me has been reborn to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives and how we can take inspiration from them. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organise Curate Design, I welcome you to listen and get inspired as we showcase these incredible women. So welcome to Neil. It is such a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. We are recording in a whole new kind of setup and using a new platform. So I'm excited to have you on and hear how we go today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and finally be talking to you. Um, so I'm going to start off with just sharing a little bit about you with our listeners and then, um, yeah, we'll touch on why we're saying it's so nice to talk to each other because we've got a few funny stories, but we'll, we'll get to them in a minute. So Tanil, uh was born in South Africa, grew up in Australia, has lived in Nashville while touring and working in the music industry and currently lives in Amsterdam. Uh, Tanil has spent the last six years of her career at Uber, where she helped grow the ride-sharing business in Australia and led the brand and creative teams as head of brand, social, social and content for Uber and Uber Eats in Australia and New Zealand. She moved to Amsterdam two years ago to join the Uber Eats regional marketing team for Europe, Middle East and Africa, leading brand strategy and integrating campaigns for priority markets. In September, she'll join Katawiki, I hope I've said that right, as global head of brand. Katawiki is one of the Netherlands' most successful international startups, a marketplace hosting online auctions for unique and special objects curated by experts. Her love, her love for storytelling and brand building has led to a diverse career as a brand strategist, television producer, script writer, songwriter, performer, and children's book author. Tanil's most recent publication is a children's book called My Family Doesn't Look Like Your Family, a race and gender neutral book designed to represent diverse families and to celebrate the fact that we all have a place where we belong. Over the course of her diverse and creative marketing career, Tanil has been led by the following principles. Tell diverse stories, tell stories that move people, tell stories that invite and include tell stories that create a sense of pride in self, in culture, in community. Tanil consults and mentors founders and businesses from boutique wine brands and tech startups to medical and financial businesses. On a personal note, Tanil is a self-proclaimed coffee snob, is obsessed with the musical Hamilton, loves to take the occasional dance class and spends her spare time exploring new restaurants, watching live shows and travelling with her partner, Paul. Wow. <laughs> I always I say wow when I read everyone's bio because man, we've had some incredible women on the podcast so far. But um I say this with nothing but love. Like I know this word can be loaded sometimes, but man, talk about overachiever. <laughs> when you hear your bio like that, is it a bit like, oh my goodness, or like is there a few things that kind of stand out to you? Um, I feel I feel exhausted hearing it all summed up. <laughs> I think I'm just reminded of a lot of sleepless nights. Um, <laughs> no, but but to be to be honest, like I I feel like I've had an incredibly full life. Um, 
And I know that I've just jammed so much in. Um, and I, I think that overachiever is often seen as as, as a negative word. And I, yeah. I prefer to not see myself as an overachiever. If anything, I think I'm overcurious or overly curious. Oh, <laughs> um, I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I've, I've had this real sense that there's no way I'm going to fit everything in that I want to do in this one short lifetime. And, um, so yeah, I think when I, when I hear it all summed up like that, it really has been, I've had a really great diverse life of experiences and I guess some achievements, but really, um, I think it's really a curiosity to try and do more at the end of the day. And my mum used to always say when I was young, she was like, it's as if you think you're going to die young because you try to do too much. And I, I take that as a compliment almost, but, you know, when I really do look back at the experiences I've had, whether that's, you know, career or personal or travel or whatever it's been, um, it's never been about, about being at the top or, or being the best or um, being the greatest at anything. It's, it's real. it really is to say that I think I've dedicated my life to really following both my curiosities, but also making time and, and space for my passions. And mm-hmm. if anything, it's just read, uh, it's, it's led to a more, more rich and fulfilling life in that sense. And isn't that the point? Isn't yeah. that the point of what we're all here to do? And exactly. Uh, I, I actually really love the way that you've just described that because it very much lends itself to, I had the pleasure of not only like, not only do I know you sort of as such, like we're, we're not super close. I haven't known you for a long time and we'll get to the funny ways we know each other in a moment. But um, I I always research and I always kind of get things ready for these interviews. And, yeah, sometimes I read stuff and I go, wow, how? How do you fit so much in? But then people look at me and say the same thing, so I totally get that. Um, now I use the word overachiever and I actually picked that out because it was on your website. So I was like, I can totally say that. But it was said on your website. So when I was doing my research, I came across you calling yourself an overachiever and you were saying that you had published three books by the age of 13. And had you also been in um, like been in acting or been in TV shows? Or something? Yeah, yeah. Right? I started I started performing at a really young age um, and that performing and writing and all sorts of all sorts of creative things um, from a pretty young age. And then I grew up in South Africa. There was a publisher that was really passionate about telling more South African stories and mm. um, just really believed in the creativity that children brought and children telling stories to other children so so yeah through through her or through her company we'd I basically had three books published for at a pretty young age and then I was lucky enough to have one of them picked up and was used as like a school reader or like included in the in the library or school syllabus um and then yeah between then and now there's been a there was a really big gap in me writing children's books but I think that also led to a career as a as a performer so you know the script Mm -hmm. writing and the 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 working in children's television etc I think definitely stemmed from that interest that was piqued in me and yeah. just that love or that uh, curiosity that I guess she nurtured around um, you know the the imagination of children and the ability to tell um, to tell stories in a way that you can explore and express things in a, in a lot of different ways with when it comes to kids. And it's, it's always been a passion of mine, regardless of my corporate job or um, mm. as I've moved now more into, you know, brand world and working in, in tech and that kind of thing. I've always had that love for children's books and children's entertainment and, mm. and literature for um, 
that's, I guess, a bit more imaginative and crazy and, and lets me kind of tap back into that innocence and that um, the more expressive side that I can have or freedom that I can have with, with children's content versus the, the more corporate brand building side of things. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of it. When when I think of the, I have two children, and when I when I watch them, they're they're very different ages. Um, my eldest is now fifteen, so not not really a child anymore. Not he's think he's more of a young man than anything else. But but my youngest is definitely at that point with the the freedom to just do and mm-hmm. to just be and to play and to explore and. I am noticing some of that that stuff that creeps in around his eight, so that stuff that creeps in around that I need to do this well or I need to perfect this or I need to not colour outside of the lines and mm-hmm. some of that yeah. stuff is creeping in. I'm seeing that because it, it tends to at this age, but um, freedom is a really big part of the the whimsy that comes with being a child. And, and I think that's, that's the word, really, yeah. It's really beautiful as you describe that. So when you were at school then, were your books on the shelf at school while you were at school? In primary school, yes. And then I went through this um, wonderful shift of immigrating to Australia. So I went from South Africa to Australia. And then, um, as you mentioned before, I was performing. So I started, um, I basically got into a, a children's entertainment group when I was about 15 and then spent four years of my life um, on the road. So I finished high school while studying correspondence and traveling around the USA. Um mm performing and so yeah that was a whole different shift so yeah I went from South Africa and went to Australia and then kind of spent my teenage years in America while I was while I was traveling and performing um and so yeah there was there was no library following me just uh early versions of Google <laughs> at that stage <laughs> I love it I love it now you talk about travel and I want to share this story so um so back in 2016 I um the first time I'd ever heard of you um you were on stage representing uber um on the business chick stage and you were talking about brand and um i remember sitting in the audience and you were i think you were definitely up there with justine from thank you i remember she was with you but i can't remember off the top of my head who else was on the panel we had tanya from um de cuba and we also had um, oh that's right yep we also had ali from um the daily edited as well. The Daily Editor. Yeah, yeah they were just the most epic group of women. It was insane. <laughs> insane. And the brands and the kind of the story of behind each of the brands and then all of your personal stories collaborated into that was a brilliant panel. Business Chicks does that so well. They bring some pretty epic people to the stage. Um, and I remember sitting there going, that chick is really cool. And I think at the time, like, it was really blonde it's not blonde at the moment my hair's blonde at the moment um and um that was my first reaction was just that you were super cool and um that was it that was like that was the title for the rest of the day and then I kind of went on to go okay cool and so I started following you on social media and um you shared a story just an insta story one day you were actually at the airport um which ties into my reference of traveling and you um had picked you shared a picture of um a photo of some magazines and just I can't remember if the photo was a great look at how great this representation is or if it was a 
mm, this isn't so great. I can't remember the context in that sense. Yeah, it was, it was, I can remember it so clearly. So I was standing in the news agency at the airport. And the one time I, I buy books is whenever I'm at the airport. It's, I'm not yeah. sure if you have the same thing, <laughs> you know, beeline straight for the news agency. Um, and I remember walking past the magazine stand and there were basically, I mean, there would have been 12 covers on display um, in that photograph. But I remember it looked as if every single model on the cover was the exact same woman. And it was like every major magazine in Australia and it was just, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. Every single Mm -hmm. model looked exactly the same. And I guess as a woman of color, you know, you, um, you know, you're used to kind of seeing that sometimes, but when you see it laid out with every single cover facing outwards, um, Mm -hmm. like I said, literally looking like the exact same model on the cover, um, you just realize how far we had to go. (laughs) <laughs> and that was exactly it. That was exactly what you shared. And I remember looking at it going, that cool chick that I saw on stage gets it and is is using um, you know, her voice to at least just highlight that point. And and I remember commenting, and it's tricky with things like Instagram because, you know, sometimes the person never even sees the message because it sits in a sea of kind of those other messages that sit in your Instagram um, DMs or whatever. But but you actually replied and we were having this kind of dialogue just about representation. And we actually, I remember both were talking about the representation um, that Business Chicks has and had. So it, they were doing it well back in 2016 okay. and they're 100% doing it well now in 2020. Um, but we're in the year of 2020. We're in the year of... Black Lives Matter, um, of the kind of, I guess, public outcry of Black Lives Matter because I know that that movement has has existed mm-hmm. far beyond, far before 2020. Um, are the magazines, I don't know if people still buy magazines, but are they changing? Are you seeing a shift? Um, you are, you, are you noticing? Yeah. Um, it's it's such a big it's such a big topic, and I think has there been a shift? Yes, is it enough? No, do we need to keep pushing? Hell yes! Um, <laughs> I think yeah. you know the thing that I'm really looking forward to is um, a day when it's not big news. Let's say, for example, a company has hired a, um, a has brought on a board member or an executive that is a person of color, or a day when it's not big news that a magazine has had their first cover shot by a black photographer in over a hundred years, or, you know, when a politician's running mate is viewed by their experience and contribution versus the color of their skin. And, um, you know, represent representation is not just extremely important, it's everything. And right now we are sitting in this really exhausting, slow evolution of the world grappling with the the what and how of representation. And so I think yeah. I cannot wait until the day when representation isn't a headline, when it doesn't feel tokenistic at times, but rather it just is an authentic expression of the fact that we do live in a diverse world. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that we live in a diverse world where people look different <laughs> um, and, you know, that we can all just, it, it's not no longer a headline or a surprise factor or a pat on the back for a company that people are representing the world as it is. Um, and yeah, I think we still have a, a long way to go, but Hopefully this is, uh, I, I don't want to use the word woke, but it is an awakening for a lot of companies and, you know, a lot of people to actually stop and, and look at, you know, what are their last 
10 magazine covers look like or what are their, um, you know, what is the history of, of their hiring patterns and, yeah. you know. what does name look like? Exactly. It's in front of you right now. And, exactly. Yeah. And diversity is so complex because it's, we kind of tend to go to the big topics as such. So mm-hmm. we go with gender and we go with ethnicity and we, we, we look at those topics because they're the ones that are the headlines at yeah. the moment. Yeah. But diversity is so complex and and I love the fact that you, it was a few years ago now from my understanding, um, wrote a ch- another children's book and um, it's called My Family Doesn't Look Like Your Family and it's all about representation and Completely. diversity. Yeah. Um, so how did you go from being pre or back in South Africa writing children's books being a child to then tapping back into that and um tell us a little bit about the pajama foundation and, and how that all came about yeah so i like i said i've always just had a, a really a really strong passion for children's entertainment children's content obviously you know the imagination that goes with that and i stumbled across an organization called the pajamas foundation who they pair you with um, a child in foster care and ultimately children in foster care have uh tend to have lower literacy and numeracy rates um, compared to other other kids because they they tend to move around quite a bit. So the idea of the Pajama Foundation is that you're paired with a child in foster care and you you can move with the child or you can have that consistent relationship. And it's all around this, you know, love of learning and reading and being able to um, to really give them that continuity in their learning in a lot of ways. So often if the child is older, it can become a bit of a, a like a, tutoring and helping with their homework and reading with, um, reading to them. And I was paired with the most incredible young girl who was the youngest of, um, of five siblings. And the reason she, she wanted a pajama angel, as they call them in the pajama foundation is because all of her older siblings had one, but she was just three. So she was the oh, most wow. talkative, playful three-year-old you've ever met. So, <laughs> um, I mean, we weren't, I wasn't tutoring her. <laughs> we weren't doing mm. maths lessons. If anything, we were just reading and dancing and singing together on a weekly basis. And it was phenomenal. How much fun is that? Yeah, it was great. But the, the difficult part was whenever I went to the library to try and get a you know, book to read to her, I was really, um, I realized how many books were kind of off limits. There were so many books that were just completely, um, disconnected from the reality that this little girl was living. Every Mm. book was a very traditional, you know, mom and dad situation or, um, you know, the, there was, there's nobody who, who looked like her again to the representation Mm. point in the stories. There's nobody who reflected her family. And I realized just how, um, how rare it was for kids in not just kids in foster care, but you know, kids like myself, I grew up in an only child, single parent family, but not just that. I also had, um, half siblings and step siblings who I am very close to, but trying to explain that dynamic as a child is quite difficult, let alone trying to, you know, find stories that, that reflect that. So, um, I think between my childhood experiences and between my experience with the pajamas foundation and, you know, that, that lack of resource and content that I found that was relatable, um, I knew there was an opportunity there to create something that really reflected and celebrated that diversity Mm. that we experienced through families. So, 
My family doesn't look like your family. Um, it's it's a really simple book. It's actually a counting book. That's something that I think unifies a lot of children. We can all count from <laughs> one to ten. And so yeah. through the book, every page actually also open has an open-ended question. So it's a book mm-hmm. that's designed to be read out loud um, yeah. to really facilitate conversation and discussion about the things that make us similar as opposed to the things that make us different. Um, I, I was really lucky to collaborate with a, an artist, um, Go Sugar, who's a um, who's who's just brilliant, and his his pictures are super quirky and colorful. Mm. So yeah. none of the characters. It's very, very vibrant. Um, But so none none of the characters are a specific race or gender. Everything is Mm. completely fluid in that sense. So whether you are a um, a child with parents who are you know from a a same sex couple, whether you have Mm. a parent with a with a disability, whether you are from a blended family or been raised by a grandparent, whether you're Mm. in foster care, whatever the situation, the the hope was really that you'd be able to open a page, see these characters, and see yourself in that story or place yourself into that story. Mm. And it's yeah. been incredible to, to hear um, from, from friends, from, um, from social workers, from um, women going through donor, um, you know, getting pregnant through, through a yeah. donor. Uh, yeah. I've just had so many insane stories where people have reached out to me and just said, thank you. Like, this is, this is me. I'm now in this, you know, this is part of this, yeah. a, a book I'll be able to read my child. Um, you know, so it's it's been really incredible to see how people have embraced it and how different children have found themselves on the pages mm. or the different elements of the book that they've been been drawn to, which is which has been so rewarding. I've actually seen it mentioned also, um, seen your seen your book mentioned of late when um, the discussion around Black Lives Matter was happening or is still happening, but yeah, yeah. began to happen here in Australia. Um, there were a lot of people that that put posts up and said, these are the great books to read to your kids and whatever else. And I and I did see your book mentioned quite a few times. So I was yeah, really, so great. It, I was so happy for you um, in that sense because it's a, it's a way that that thread of kindness and, um, and diversity and inclusion just, trickles right the way through and um sometimes we sometimes it's just nice to have a nice vibrant colorful beautiful story to read to our children yeah. and sometimes <laughs> it's even nicer when you know that you've got something that's that there's got there's an element of depth that sits underneath that and kids don't need to know that because kids okay. are amazing and they just they just enjoy the thing but um that's that's I mean, really lovely. If I, if I can add to that as well, I remember um, when the book was first published, I was really excited to have, um, you know, there was a reporter that repo- approached me from like one of the big national papers who wanted to write an article on the book. And I was so excited to to speak to this reporter because I knew that she was also adopted and had fostered a bunch of kids. And I was like, oh, I feel like, you know, she's really going to get it. And I remember when the article came out, there was a quote from a, um, there was a quote that she included in there from, I remember for the child psychologist who it was who basically said, you know, this is political correctness gone gone wild. Oh, and it was it was actually really deflating and heartbreaking at the time just to be mm. like, okay, I, like that's that's never been the intention. Mm. I feel like adults are the ones who often label what's what's right and wrong and what's what's um what's reflective of society, whereas like mm. You know, even the title of the book, you know, my family doesn't look like your family. It sounds like a negative. And it's 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 just yeah. like, you know, when you as you read through the book, you really see that it's 
you know, we, we celebrate the things that we all have in common. Mm. And it's, and when you look at that, it's not about the race or the gender. That's not the element that we all have in common. It's the fact that, you know, every family has their own way that they sit and eat together. Different families have their favorite sports that they play or how they spend time together on a, a Sunday night or, um, you know, there's, there's different things that we, there's more that we have in common to celebrate than, than we have mm. apart and, and different. And I yeah. think that a lot of the time when we, even when we look at representation and the conversations that are happening, that's the side that the, the grownups get pulled to. But kids, yeah. you know, they look for their common ground. Yeah. Kids are yeah. automatically drawn to how can we play together? How can we imagine together? What, what, what can we do together? And that real element of, creating space where we belong versus creating differences that keep us apart. And that's the beauty of that, you know, imagination and innocence that, that we can really learn from kids. And that's, that's something that I want, want to capture, whatever the topic of a book that I write, a children's book that I write mm. is really celebrating that, bringing that, um, those diverse elements of the story together and the commonalities of, you know, the human experience together in some, yeah. in some beautiful unpreachy way at the end of the day. But, yeah. <laughs> With nice pretty pictures and vibrant yeah, completely. <laughs> so there's this thread of human stories, kindness and connection. And I have to share this story. We were talking really briefly before we started recording. So I stalk you on Facebook, on Instagram, sorry. <laughs> I like go, yeah, magazines and whatever I said at the time. And then two years later, I kind of, and as I said, I think I may have reached out again on on Instagram. You're still in Sydney at the time. I'm in Melbourne. Um, my younger sister is living in Melbourne with me, or in Melbourne, and then she decides she wants to move to Sydney. And I, I was like, oh, who do I know in Sydney? I don't actually know you, but I'm going to reach out to you anyway. And I think I'd reached out and just said, hey, do you know anyone that's like looking for a flatmate or looking for oh, uh, the best place to look or where to start? Because she had no idea, and 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 that was all. And then, um, not only did you one come back to me to say, "Yeah, I can help," but you let my sister move into your apartment, and I was <laughs> so confused, <laughs> but so grateful. And then she was confused and grateful, and. I remember talking to her and laughing, going, this lady has a lot of trust in us because we could be crazy. <laughs> but there was just such beautiful human kindness to you helping her and I've been so grateful to that. And and I know that was a really great stepping stone to her life in Sydney. She still lives in Sydney two years later. Um, so tell me. Has kindness just been a thing you just naturally do? Have you always had beautiful, kind people that have set the tone for you? Where does, like, that's super generous. Come on. So firstly, I have to say that I love your sister. I think that she is one of the most kind and creative souls I've ever met. So really, I should thank you for introducing us. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I I think when I, when I think back to my childhood, I always think of, I think of my grandparents' house and them constantly having people dropping in. And then, you know, I think about when I was a teenager, every year my mum would do this like orphans Christmas thing for my friends who were expats mm. or, you know, even as a young mm. adult where she'd invite people over. And, um, yeah. And then again, when I was, when I was traveling around the U S in a band, you know, there was, you know, this group of us who were like traveling across the country, getting on our feet and there were 
numerous people who just opened their home to us and, you know, would, would give us a couch or inflatable mattress or whatever it is. And I think you carry all of that, right? I, I think you never know. I think those people will never know the, the ripple on effect it's had in my life and how much I know that sometimes just that, um, that's a, that's a start that you need. That's the jumping off platform that you need. And, you know, I, I did grow up in a, in a home that had a bit of a faith background and there's one, it's actually a Bible verse that always stuck with me just because I, I do think it's so beautiful, but, um, and I'm probably going to completely misquote it, but it, but it essentially says something like, um, you know, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers because in doing so, you may unknowingly have entertained angels. And oh, I just beautiful. always loved that. I just love that picture of, you know, entertaining angels. And I think mm. it's so true. I think anytime that you open your home to somebody, um, there is a, there is a sharing or that, that passing of, I guess, um, opportunity and experience mm. and connection. And, um, it's something that I have always, you know, I've always had a really great sense of, of gratitude and appreciation for everything that I have. And if I have a home that has a couch or an inflatable mattress that I can offer, I'll, I'll do that. Because I do think that there will probably come a time in my life when I need that, you know, or there, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's going to be, it's, it's probably going to go full circle. Or, you know, if I ever had, um, you know, a friend or family member who was traveling through somewhere, I would hope that my friends would, would do the same for them because I've done it for them. And I, I just think it's, mm. it's creating that connection and that circle. It all comes full circle at the end of the day. And I mean, even when I, um, even when I met my partner, Paul, and we, before we, we moved in together, <clears throat> sorry, one of the, um, one of the conversations that we had about, you know, creating a home and the kind of home that we wanted to have was a space where people would always feel comfortable to drop in, um, where, you know, we'd, always have, as long as we had space, we'd always invite people to be able to stay the night or to have a refuge or to be able to show hospitality. And I think it's a value that we both shared and um, something that I, I hope to do in the future as well. And, and like I said, I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think this stuff always comes back around. It always comes full circle. Um, so, so yeah, why not? I mean, to whom much is given, much is expected. And um, if I'm lucky enough to have a, a beautiful, a beautiful space to share, um, then I, I think it's, I think it's something that I, that I should be doing. And I, it's something that I encourage more people to do. I love it. I absolutely love that. So post COVID, everyone should just invite someone to sleep on their couch because it sounds amazing. You never know the friendships or the the new businesses or the ventures that can come out of it. <laughs> oh, so much. I can imagine, actually. I I would end up with five new businesses by the end of the week for sure because <laughs> that's just how my brain goes. Um, so in, a mix, in amongst the mix of just all this super cool stuff, I keep referring back to how cool I think you are, um, <laughs> is you you have kind of touched on this musical element so in amongst all this stuff, you're a singer as well. And when I did my research there, I found a band and an album and Triple J Unearthed. And tell us, what's what? where is that? What was the last thing you worked on and is there anything new coming? Yeah, so I think um, first I will say I have not dusted off the pipes for a very, very long time. Um, but, yeah, then, then I started when I was a child, I was really into musical theatre, so came from a very academic family and it's hilarious because mm -hmm. all of our parents are, um, you know, my aunts and uncles, my mom and her siblings, they're all extremely academic. They're all teachers, lecturers, engineers, you know, throw a, a doctor or two in the mix. 
And mm. then you skip a generation down and myself and all of my cousins are like in bands and, um, you know, singers and marketers Rebels. and rappers and complete either. creatives. It's just like we, we completely went the other way to our, to our parents, which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, you know, from a really early age, I loved musical theater and my mom was super sporty, like the most incredible athlete you'll ever meet. Um, mm. And she could not stand the fact that, you know, she wanted me to probably do swimming or golf or running or whatever it was or athletics like she did. And I just wanted to go to ballet classes and, um, <laughs> you know, do musical theater. Ballet is very sporty. <laughs> exactly. It looks really hard. Exactly. I don't know do they are some of the greatest athletes ever. But I think, um, you know, in that generation, it was probably before people realized that you could probably you know, make a career out of being creative. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I think my, my love of musical theater then, you know, led to me performing in, um, um, in children's television and, and getting involved in that world. And, you know, I spent time working as a choreographer and, um, on stages, you know, most of my teenage years on stages and then, yeah, I've joined a few bands along the way. And, um, so currently I don't have a band, which I'm very sad about. I haven't really tapped into that in Amsterdam, but I do continue to, to doing, I do continue to do a lot of songwriting and I think that, you know, just like the children's book, it is, it it is this kind of like side expression and the ability to just put your feelings in words and express yourself is really important to me. And, um, as far as projects go, I've been really lucky through my years living in Nashville and through, you know, my time being in a band that I just have an incredible network of very, very talented musician friends. So the latest project that, that we did work on, uh, actually during lockdown was, uh, a friend of mine who's based in Nashville who has a home studio took some songwriting demos that we did a few years ago. When you write songwriting demos, you're not writing them to perform them necessarily. So a lot of the time when I do songwriting, it's not for me to write, to sing the song. It's for somebody else to yeah, sing it. For someone else to. Yeah. So we, we had a bit of a jam session about five years ago in, in my lounge where we, we put down a series of tracks and um, I kind of sat with them. They felt kind of too personal to share with anyone else at the time. And, um, during lockdown, my friend who's, you know, usually on the road and touring with some pretty impressive musicians, um, took these, these kind of very rough voice memos and got a bunch of session musicians to come into the studio and, and lay down a few tracks and essentially produced an EP. Um, oh my goodness. yeah, which was, which was incredible. It was a completely virtual project. I have not met besides seeing their names. I've never met any of these musicians who've played on these songs, who've brought to life, you know, these words that I, that I kind of, or melodies mm-hmm. that I put down. Um, and yeah, now we have this really cool and quirky EP where we've just kind of been dropping a few songs every few weeks during lockdown. Um, because why not, <laughs> you know? And so I think, where, where can we find that? Um, on on Spotify, I, I will send you, I will send you a, a link yeah, well, because it goes under a songwriting pseudonym. So feel free to, to share it. But, you know, again, my, my hope has never been anything new. Yeah. My, but my hope has never been to, um, to, you know, write anything and be a famous singer or anything. I think, mm. uh, as a person who is, I guess, seen as a, a creative, I just want to be constantly creative in different means and platforms. So whether that mm. comes to life as a children's book or in a video that I'm, I guess, scripting and directing for Uber or whether it's, um, you know, a song that I'm writing for myself or for somebody else, I feel like as, as a creative, you constantly just need to be expressing and trying new platforms and mediums. So, um, again, that comes down to that curiosity and just comes down to, you know, wanting to go, okay, well, how would this come to life as a stage show? How would this come to life as a pilot for a TV show? So I'm constantly just 
writing and expressing and occasionally that comes out in in a song occasionally I (laughs) sing that song occasionally other people sing that song but either way it's just getting to express and really be curious with um you know the evolving platforms and mediums that you have to share that so are there any other projects that you're working on so we've heard a little bit about lots of different creative avenues for you yeah is there anything anything COVID did COVID bring another level of creativity for you? I think um, COVID for me has been a really great opportunity to nest. So my greatest mm. my greatest project has probably been renovating. Um, oh, I love it. Renovating my apartment in Amsterdam as well as um, I've started, started dabbling in art collection. So, mm. uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned earlier is, you know, I'm, I'm transitioning. I'm in this transition from a six-year stint at Uber to a new role as head of brand at Catawiki, which is a um, an incredible marketplace that um, it, it's an incredible marketplace that basically brings together buyers and sellers who are selling like curated special objects. And mm-hmm. so the difference would say Catawiki to say an eBay or some of the other platforms where you could buy stuff is there's this team of experts who really reviews and curates and value evaluates the, the items that have been sold via auction online. And Mm. I've become obsessed with their contemporary art category. So I'm constantly on there trying to find whether it's, you know, classic art or whether it's, um, you know, a new upcoming artist. Um, I've become a little bit obsessed with the new product that I'm about to start working for, which is a great, great challenge to have. But um, I think, yeah, COVID has been this this opportunity. There's been a lot of a lot of times where, um, you know, there was a pressure to create or to start something or to do something different. But if anything, it just meant I could sit and, you know, create the space around me more than anything else and mm-hmm. invest in just being surrounded by beautiful objects and beautiful things that make me happy and bring me joy. And yeah. um, I've also, you know, I actually tried to limit how much I was consuming from like a, a TV and a music perspective and um, as well because there was just there was so much more time to take things in by sitting mm-hmm. in one place which also was kind of, for me, kind of stifling my own creativity because I was too busy, you know, trying to tap into what everyone else, else was doing and what, what everything else, what everyone else was, was expressing. So during lockdown, I felt like I really focused on the space around me and the four, you know, four plus walls that I was in to, to be creating a, a beautiful space, to be focusing on, you know, gratitude and my own mindset and um, being very conscious of the the media I was consuming as well during that time. Mm, and yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think it was a reflection time. And, you know, from that reflection, maybe there'll be more creative things that come out of that. But for now, it's just being quite comfortable with being and sitting and being surrounded by um, being, being really appreciative of what I'm surrounded by as well. Yeah. So you have traveled to some pretty beautiful, amazing places in the world. How's the coffee in Amsterdam? The coffee is actually quite exceptional, but to be fair, I'd say the best cafes here are owned by Australians. <laughs> it's, it, I think it's I like how, that. this, this thing that's kind of known everywhere, right? If you want good coffee, find a place that's owned by, by Aussie. Aussie. Maybe like even a Melbourneian if you want to get really, really coffee snobbish. Yeah, but that's, um... yeah. And you know what? I am a coffee snob. I definitely am. And um, it's probably the one thing I've missed during lockdown is not being able to work from from cafes and not being able to just jump around between mm. my favorite cafes with my laptop. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's I, I, Amsterdam is such an incredible city. And to be fair, it was – Never a place that was on my list of places to visit, let alone live. 
And I ended up here, I was on an assignment with Uber for, for what was meant to be four months and just kind of helping roll out some campaigns here and bring some stuff, some cool stuff to life. And I think I'd been here for about three weeks and I was just like, this place is incredible. And yeah. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, you know, to bring it back to music, I'm a firm believer that cities are kind of like, like music. Every city has its own genre. And just in the mm-hmm. same way that um, I think people connect with music, I think people connect with cities. And when you yeah, find a city that, that kind of like taps into a genre that you love, mm. you know, it, it brings something out in you. And I think, I think you live your best life when you find a city that is in rhythm with you, when you mm. kind of click in or sink into the, the beat and the rhythm of that city and you flow with it. And, you know, it, it, it's just like good music, a good city can really inspire you. And it can bring out the best in you and, you know, it can help you express yourself. And um, I have to admit, you know, I was living in Sydney for for three years before I moved to Amsterdam and I I just never found my flow in that city. And Mm. I constantly felt like I was running against, we were just out of sync. I was running against the flow of it. I was running against the, I guess, the synchronicity of the city and, you know, some people will land in Sydney and they will love it and it'll bring out the best in them. Some people will find that in LA or New York or London or Hong Kong, wherever it is. And for me, I feel like I'm very in sync with the rhythm of the places that I am. And it does bring out the best or the worst in you. And I think that, you know, getting to Amsterdam, I found my flow and my rhythm and I found this pace that really suited me and has brought out something so much more creative and, um, at ease and at peace in myself that I personally just didn't find in Sydney. And, you know, there's, you know, I have friends who travel the world and I'm sure you've known this feeling you'll travel and you'll land somewhere and you just feel, you feel like you're home. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you could say it's like music. You could say it's like a soulmate. It's like you either click or you don't, and it brings out the best or the worst in you. (laughs) It's the same kind of analogy. But for me, Amsterdam really has been that it's brought out this really, at ease, at peace um, side of me that feels like I'm dancing with the city constantly and feels like I'm constantly in step with it. And um, the coffee is just one element of that. <laughs> it's definitely just one element of it, but it's um, it's been a really great move and a really great shift for me personally. Wow. I want to go to Amsterdam now. Come and visit. I have a couch and an inflatable mattress you can stay on. <laughs> Uh, well, I want to visit a lot of places once I can leave my home. Yeah, I cannot wait. Get out of Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> so, you would have met some so many people. I can't even imagine how many people you've actually met, considering how many places you've been and 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 how rich and full your life has been. And that's kind of where we started in this discussion. But today, when you think of this question, who inspires you and why? I think, um, you know, I mean, there are obviously so many people and, and like you're saying, I've, I've just met some incredible people along the way. I think the thing that keeps coming back to me is the fact that the people who've inspired me the most are the everyday people. Mm. You know, I deliberately don't follow, um, I don't read magazines. I don't follow any celebrities or influencers on social media. Um, I am continually inspired by the people who are overcomers more than the people who are achievers. Um, yeah. I think that the people who express themselves or take the time to, you know, follow their passion, express what they're feeling, you know, try out new things 
and it's not about the success or achievement again. You know, it's it's about the fact that we have this, you know, the short life and they want to get the most out of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, there's, I, you know, I, I love podcasts. I absolutely love podcasts, but I, I hate listening to the glossy ones that interview celebrities. And I love listening to the ones where it's, you know, it, it brings you a bit closer to the reality of the human experience. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a podcast that challenge you to really, um, to relate to, to relate or to learn or to be uncomfortable with somebody's opinions was so completely different to yours. Um, and that to me, I find inspiration in that I find inspiration in, um, connection in, in, in finding similarities in our, in our human experience and the people who overcome the, the worst of human experience. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then in my personal life, obviously, you know, my mom is, is, is a huge influence. She's had, she's, was a single parent, has been through a lot of, a lot of health issues over her life, but she's, she's one of those people who is still standing. And the fact that she's still standing alone to me is like one of the greatest inspirations on a day-to-day basis. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that it, it's really difficult, you know, like if we go back to the start and, you know, we're talking about overachieving or achievement, mm-hmm. like for me, it's, it's, it really isn't about that. It's about, you know, the full expression of, of life and people who manage to like wring every last bit out of it. And it's not for the sake of being happy or minimalizing the pain or minimalizing the discomfort that comes with life. It's about, you know, that full expression of living it and experiencing it and sitting with the anguish and the pain and knowing that I'm human for it. And, um, you know, I love being around people who aren't afraid to do that and aren't afraid to just live to that full, to the extremes of, you know, our human experience. What a way to end this podcast. I I can go back to what I said at the beginning where I'm just like, wow, because that's just such a, that was such a beautiful and real way of describing the human connection and the human experience and the the opportunity we have if we just let ourselves be curious. Yeah, completely. And open ourselves up to the possibility of that person or that moment or just sitting, just sit still and listen and pay attention. So, wow. Well, thank you. Um, I'm sure we could talk for like another five I'm hours. I'm sure but... we could. I'm totally <laughs> sure we could. <laughs> but we laughed about the whole like, you know, we're not going to do like a three-hour podcast because we're mindful of people's time and short and sharp. But um, thank you so much for being with us. Um, the listeners, I will um, pin to kneel down and I will get all the show notes because there is a lot to consume and um, even the secret ones where she's like (laughs) we'll find those ones too um so you can connect and listen and explore and get creative um definitely to the parents that i know that um are out there that are always looking for beautiful books we'll put the the links to the books as well and um enjoy your beautiful day in amsterdam because it is morning there And um, for those listening, thank you. And we look forward to sharing with you again next week in our next episode. Thanks, Sunil. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today and being a part of this incredible community. Remember to hit subscribe and join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women. 